Welcome to Sudbury's story. Sudbury's full of amazing individuals that are doing some incredible things and making Sudbury a better place. It's my goal to get the word out about some of the good news stories local to Sudbury and highlight those individuals like Kim here that are having an impact and making Sudbury a better place. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario? Kim's been the head coach of the Sudbury Spartan for six plus years now, but he's, he hasn't, oh, that's not only his time with Sudbury Spartan. I, I, it started in 1987. His time as a player coming up through the organization with his, in, in terms of his coaching and on the staff, and as well as a member of the club executive. He had some pretty big plans for the 2020 season. And just recently they've got the tough news and they, they've been good active community members as they've announced the cancellation of their season, despite the COVID shutdown but they're doing their best to, to deal with it and, and kind of move forward in any way they can. So I'm super happy to have uh, Kim on the, on the mic and then be able to have, have you for a little bit of a conversation today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, and again, we're doing these things virtually as much as we can, just so we can, you know, maintain and do our, our uh, thing to, to keep the, the public safe as well right now. But I was looking 1987. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's older than most of your players on your team. I took a look at the roster. <laughs> oh yeah um basically yeah i started when i was uh 15 years old so 15 years old so were you playing high like high school football and then you picked it up yes there? um i played uh, a year at uh it called songada rayside out in zelda yeah um, and then i played uh one uh that summer uh, a bunch of us from the high school decided to you know we want to play football that summer and then went to the Sudbury training camp and uh never looked back Never look back. Fantastic. It's, it's so great to see, uh, you know, somebody like, like that's been involved for, for a short period of time and, you know, do, having fun and doing it in the community, but somebody like mm -hmm. you, like, wow, it's uh, it takes, is there any years you took a little break or anything like that? Have you had to step away for a few years or anything? Or? Um, I had to take a break uh, in the, I started the season, played one game in 93, but I had to take the, the rest of that season off uh, due to uh, a farm accident, uh, you know, that, almost took my arm and stuff. So uh, I told the coach I'd be ready to go. Um, I did everything to get, you know, prepared and stuff. But then the doctor basically said that if I continued to play, my body wasn't ready. I put my, you know, life at risk. So I had to basically do one of the toughest things I had to do and basically walk away for a summer. Put the cleats up. Wow. And that's like, to me, like I, I grew up playing football in Sudbury and it was, it was an amazing experience when you're a kid, you know, coming up, you learn amazing lessons. Like, and that's why I believe in just sports in general for, for my kids, right? Like the lessons that you learn in these things are amazing, but you're not dealing with kids. You're dealing with adults. You're dealing with people right. with full-time jobs and they have their own kids at home. Like how yeah. is it to get these people to come out to practices and how, like that, that's one of the most difficult things I'd say. The way I approach it, I guess, compared to the other one is because I played um, and I was that, you know, I started, yeah, I started off as a young teen stuff where, you know, you're living with mom and dad and, you know, you don't have to worry about much. And then, but, you know, all of a sudden you start your family and you've got little kids and all this kind of stuff where, you know, you got to try to juggle work, practice, you know, family time and all this kind of stuff. Um, basically, that's the approach I kind of take with my guys. Yeah. Am I disappointed when they're not able to make practice? Sure. But do I get it? You know, that you got to put food on the table, pay the bills, you know, maybe, Hey, it's their night where they got to watch the kids and the wife has to go out and play, you know, baseball or whatever. So 
I get that aspect. My coaches is basically a philosophy I basically try to instill in coaches too, which they understand is, you know, families got to come first. Um, they're not getting paid. Um, you know, even though it, it's considered semi-pro baseball stuff, they are giving up their time. They are giving up their summer. They are sacrificing a lot with, you know, family life and stuff. And it's not always easy where, you know, the wife, the girlfriend, you know, uh, we're not going to camp this weekend because you got to go play in Toronto or whatever. So I get it. And that's kind of the approach that I take, um, yeah. you know, you got to come first, uh, you know, as a coach, are you disappointed when they can't make the game for sure? Um, but you know, you got to make do what, what you have on the field at that particular day. So there's no other way to do it, right? <laughs> Whoever shows yeah. up, but, and then in your position, not just head coach, I guess you're all offensive coordinator as well. And, and with the OC, like you're, 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 you know, you're, you've got the X's and O's on the background where you're trying to put the, the plays in position. So like, that's where that's right. consistency and showing up, if you're trying to expand on the playbook or, you know, like that's, yeah. that's one of the toughest things. And especially if you're breaking down the game tape and trying to put it into a, you, you, the, the next week's plan of action and, and that's right. Place, right. So, so that's gotta be one of the, the, the most challenging jobs there. Well, for sure. Like, you know, compared to playing, when you had to play, you had one job to do, you had your position and that's it. As they can, you got to oversee your players. You got to make sure that, you know, they're mentally prepared, physically prepared and your coaching staff, same thing. This is the game plan for this week. Um, you know, Oh, so-and-so has got to work this weekend. Okay. Now who's stepping in to take his spot. Now we've got to get this player ready to go. We may have to adjust, you know, the X's and O's and stuff like this. So from coaching to playing, you know, playing is a lot easier than it is to coach. And at the same time, you always have to make that hard decision as a coach that you don't want to do where, you're starting, you're backing up, you know, your, your first string, your second string, like everybody in their mind are always, you know, I'm first string, which is great. And that's the mentality you got to have. And as a player, you don't have to make that decision. You just got to show up and prove to the coach you can play. But as a coach, sometimes, you know, you may insult a player or whatever that he thinks he should be starting over somebody else and vice versa. But, you know, bottom line is I have to make the decision that best set for the team. And that is something that every coach I would say not struggle with, but knows it's a hard decision to make because you're not going to make everybody happy. So we see it all the time where we hear about coaches that like, it might not be the best, they're the most skilled person that's going to be playing, but it's going to be the best person that's going to be, that knows the, knows the plays or whatever the case may be. There might be so much more that goes to it than their actual ability on the that's field. Right. Like, is that kind of what, what you're kind of hinting at there, where it's like, it's not just, it's nice to be able to say, you know, this person's the fastest runner, so we should be returning whatever kind of thing. But that's right. There's a lot more. That's that right. Can... But if they don't understand where they have to be at a certain spot at a certain time in the play or, or whatever, then all of a sudden, it's not just, you know, this guy's a great athlete. But the thing is, you got to make sure that that great athlete, uh, you know, has that mesh that has the timing with the 11 other guys on defense or offense or special teams or else you'll find holes, you'll find gaps, you'll find all that kind of stuff. So it's more than just, oh, this guy's fast or this guy's big or it's this. Um, you find and you start to see it, especially, you know, you look at the NFL and all this kind of stuff and, you know, colleges when they recruit players and stuff, they look for a mole. The guy has to be 6'6", 300 pounds. This guy at this position has to be here and here. But then you take a look at guys like, you know, like Wes Welker and stuff that are way below the height yeah. of a guy in the NFL that should be playing in that position. But yet the guy, you know, is a pro bowler. He's a Super Bowl champion and stuff. And as a coach, you got to kind of find that, you know what? Yeah, this guy's got the frame or the build and whatever. But this guy here is showing us 
that he belongs there over the other person. Yeah. No, that's like it, that. That's good. And it's interesting to see from that perspective because I, <laughs> the only coaching I've done is my uh, my four year old soccer team. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we're, we're, there, there's not a lot of X's and O's going on there. It's more just trying to ever keep everybody from picking their nose. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so like where you said you were about, was it 16 years old when you, when you joined the Spartans? Was yeah. You were playing high school yeah. before that? Like when did you discover football? Was it grade nine? Was it playing with your kids and your friends growing up? Or when did you first discover it? I would say it was uh, the year where Dallas lost the Super Bowl to Pittsburgh, you know, back in the seventies and stuff where uh, with my dad and stuff, we went on a little family trip, went over to my godfather's house and the game was on and stuff. And I don't know, I was just drawn to that game, the way it was the ultimate team uh, game. It's like almost like a military thing. All 12 guys, you know, have to be a mesh and stuff. And then um, that year, my dad probably went to a high school I guess they were getting rid of some football equipment, got a set of shoulder pads and stuff. So me and my brother would be going out, you know, roughing it up. My dad would throw the ball, run his passes and stuff. And I think that's where I found uh, that intrigue with that game. Not that I didn't like hockey, like, you know, a normal Canadian kid did, but there was something about football that, you know, fit. Yeah. And it's like a, You've kind of hit on it a few times, but especially when you've transformed from a player to a coach, but is it the mental aspect of it? Like it's, it's, it's how everybody comes together and it's like, it's that, that mesh, right? So, you know, yeah. they've got twice as many players that are on the hockey rink that are on the football team, right? So it's. That's right. And that's what I usually try to say, like with my high school kids and stuff is you can, you know, have hockey, you can have like a, a Wayne Gretzky, a Mario Lemieux or whatever. That guy can go out and pop seven goals. Yeah. There's other guys on the ice too, but he is with football you need to club guys like you know you need your hogs up front your your old linemen if they can't initially block if the center can't snap the ball then nothing can happen it always starts with the big guys and then from the big guys it moves to the quarterback to the running back to the receivers the pass and on defense is the same thing if you know your front four can't get pressure to the quarterback then it's going to be a long day for the dbs because the quarterback's going to have you know all through the ball so it's a game where compared to a lot of other sports where you need everybody to be on the same page yeah yeah no, that's and then just to see your passion continue from being a player and then obviously into like where you're actually able to implement that on a game on a day-to-day and a game-to-game how much yeah. how much of your of your back end is is watching film of other teams and like so you're preparing for the next game coming up on the weekend or something like that how much game tape are you watching how much prep are you doing from behind this behind the scene i would say on average a good coach um like at the high school level and all this kind of stuff you're putting at least about maybe 700 hours worth of you know looking at film and and getting things ready playbook tweaking this all of a sudden you know you come to training camp and your personnel has changed so guess what that playbook that worked last year is not going to work this year so you got to change it or all of a sudden oh we got some secret weapons where we can add certain things and uh, so there's always, you know, an eraser at the end of the pencil where, okay, this won't work, scratch this, put this here. Um, so as soon as, you know, the Sudbury Spartan season ends, you know, July, August, I get a break for about maybe a week and a half, two weeks, and I start with high school. High school goes into November-ish. And then from there, I take a break. And then start in January, it's back again. So you're doing executive meetings at the NFC level to find out 
you're starting to talk to players and stuff you're you're trying to organize and with the community here you don't have those advantages of down south of having all these indoor facilities where you got to turf so you got to try to find these buildings that every other community use group is using to prep your guys in order to be ready for that season because it's not like just pick up hockey a lot of people think oh you know you don't need to go to practice you don't need to do this out of any other sport this is one sport your body needs to be physically prepared you need to be mentally prepared for the grueling. It, it doesn't seem long. Like, you know, hockey plays a lot more games than football does. But if you compare the physicality of both games, they don't compare. Like football, like you, I'm a small guy. I've always been a small guy. And I always praise the big guys on offense and defensive line. Like, they hit every single play. If the ball's not thrown at my side, I'm not making a tackle that play. But the linemen are constantly beating each other up every play, and I have an utmost respect for what the big guys do. And people don't realize, like, they're pushing every play. The minute that ball snapped, it's head-to-head, push, push, push. Who's going to win that battle? And, uh, and they call it the war of the trenches, and that's, you know, that's a quote for a reason. That's, I was an offensive lineman when I was growing up and playing uh, in yeah. the kind of thing. And that's where you're like, we're the ones that get no credit um, you know, because like, yeah, that's you, right. you don't see us. We're not involved in the play. We're not running the ball or anything like that. But, uh, but you know, like the, the quarterback and the running backs are the ones that are, are, are the ones that are most appreciative. If we're doing our job, if we're not, then maybe not. Right. And I'll yeah. be the first one to say as a coach, I am hard on my offensive lineman because I know it all starts with them. If they're not on the same page, all five, it's not going to work. We can't march the ball. We can't give our defense, you know, that field position for them to give us better field position and so on. And uh, I've been known, you know, to to snap on them and stuff like this to try to light a fire, quote unquote, under their butts and stuff. But in that instance there, it's not a lack of, you know, not respecting what they do every single play. Yeah. I demand that the, especially the old linemen be the best players on the field. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see like uh, like we, we talk about the we like we'll look to NFL and things like that, and we hear these stories about how in the off seasons they're going hunting together, they're going fishing together. They they they, they stay together because they have to build yes. that friendship bond. They have that, to. Be, that's right. You know. That's right. March to the same drum, you know, right from the get. That's right. And when you play with something that long, you don't even have to have that verbal communication. It's more of a, you know, a signal, just a, a flinch, and your partner knows what you're going to do. He knows. So the, it's like a dance. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see when it works, you know. Yeah. No, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so obviously we've had some, uh, some switch over with, uh, with Dario getting involved with, uh, SWSE over the last, what almost mm-hmm. you know, is when I, uh, when, when he, when he bought the rights to the Spartans, I guess. So yeah. like, you've been involved way before him and you're still involved mm-hmm. after him. So what was life like pre Dario? What was like after the post Dario? Like what's, what's the biggest change that you've seen? The biggest change, I would say, as the organization itself, there's less stress. Um, there's an easier, how should I say, like anarchy, especially for finances and all this kind of stuff, especially, you know, when you're a nonprofit and all this kind of stuff, you're going through the community and, and, and stuff. And, you know, thank God Dario did step in um, because who knows? Um, it costs money to travel guys down south, you know, and, 
and going into a league and, and all this kind of stuff. And with Dario's passion, you know, involved, he's a basketball guy, but he knows his brothers played at a high level of football also. And he said it numerous times, you know, in sports conferences and stuff, and, you know, he wants this to continue. Um, his nephew is, is currently playing for me right now. And um, so it's kind of that lineage of, he wants to keep, he's, he's very local minded, I will say. He wants to put Sudbury on the map, whether it be the Wolves, the Five, the Spartans. He is very, um, you know, if you were to cut his veins, he'd probably bleed nickel. Like he is Sudbury born and raised. And, and that's something that he wants to push in the community. And by, you know, purchasing the Spartans, it also gives us that ability to, to continue that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And like, it's, it's just the insurance and everything else in the behind the scenes, you know, like I, I remember that's right. amazing when I was younger and this is like, not, not, not anything compared to what you guys are doing, but there's some amazing kids that want to play, but they just don't have the finances or the funds or whatever the case may be. Right. So like, it's not cheap sport to play. And, you know, so it's uh if, if, if he's able to help out in the back end, you know, having a little bit more financial security, I'm sure is a great thing there. So, um, and I don't like, like, it could be just that like this, like Sudbury's done really well. They made the playoffs last year was the first round. I think you guys lost, but the year before you guys yep. went pretty deep. And uh, like, no, no, that's one thing that I'm trying to get. Like, you know, we, we get there, we got a great team. And for some reason we can't get past that first round. We're always drawing, you know, big teams. Like last year, I would say, I don't even think I'd like to even know a coach in the NFL or CFL that's lost three quarterbacks in a season, just going into the end. And, you know, God bless Riley Roy, who, you know what, stepped up, said, hey, coach, she was my safety, said, I'll do what it takes. And I knew right away it was going to be a tough spot to put him in going into, you know, that, that first-round playoff game where as soon as they knew we didn't have our, our starting quarterback, they just put 12 in the box and basically sent the heat to him. And, you know, he battled um, for four quarters. And my hat's off to him because he wasn't put in an easiest position. Like we were one game away from clinching the division, which, you know, the higher you clinch, the lower seeded team you end up facing. So, um, and that's something, you know, and a lot of the players that have been with me since I've, I've taken over as the coach and stuff, I want to see them get that playoff success. That's something that I personally have felt, have seen. And, um, you know, it hasn't been done in, in forever where that, that win is there. So I want to be able to put a product on the field and tell these players in the community of Sudbury that, you know, we're close. We just need guys to step up to the plate, come out and play. We're there. That's like, and that's goes back to having kind of a winning culture in a team. Like that's such a, like, and I've played on some teams that didn't have that winning culture and we've had some really tough yeah. years and, you know, that's people, right. people and so how, how do you go about driving that? And again, going back to, we're not dealing with, we're dealing with grown up adults that are, you're, you're, you're there and trying to create that culture. Like, what do you do on your end to try to, you know, instill that culture with, with the team? Because a lot of them, because a lot of these kids were born or you know they started they hadn't seen the glory days of the Spartans basically last championship I was on um was 92 and that's basically one of the last years where we've had any type of success kind of thing and um since then you know some kids have of seen the results through high school football winning a city championship or you know some like in Joe Mack or or that kind of stuff but at this level here where you're playing against guys that have been cut from the CFL, 
Um, some of them, you know, that played on a roster, practice roster in the NFL, NCAA players, CIS, current CIS players that are just, you know, booming to get to training camp and stuff like this. And we're a small knit community where we don't have that, that big pool to collect all these guys. It's not that there's not talent in Sudbury by far. And I think for them, it's driven to try to show that down south that, you know what, you're not loaded with all the athletes as much as you think you do. We got athletes up north too. And anybody that's, I would say, a blue-collar town, you just don't go to work to go to work. Like, you go to work to prove a point. Like, you go to work to, you know, attain a goal. And every team that I've coached so far, that's what they want. We just fell short. Yeah. Well, it's uh, like it's it's my hats off to you for like even doing like having such a, almost winning the the top of the, the division last year to be able to lock that down. And so you yeah. hear about the success, and I feel like you guys are a lot more. And it could just be me listening a little bit better, but like I feel like I'm hearing you guys in the news in the last few years more that now that I have in the past. You know, if I think back a decade ago or something like that. So well, for sure, like you know, and it's hard. And, and, and I don't know if it's because you know millennials you talk about them and stuff like this, but it's hard to when you're part of a rebuild to get that youth, cause a lot of them, you want to be part of a winner now. Like I want to be part of a championship team now and stuff like this, instead of, you know what, it may take us a couple of years, but guess what? I was part of the lows, but now I've helped with the highs. And um, that's something where every team organizations, you see it in the pros and in college, you've got great years and all of a sudden you get a down, so because guys have retired or, or you've lost certain players and stuff and you want them to come out and be part of the reason why we're successful and with you know uh, Subway Sports Entertainment you know purchasing um, the gladiators and basically continuing that youth program it's only going to benefit the men's team in the future with keeping the kids that have passion for football giving them an opportunity to play play at a high level yeah and that's something yeah. that you guys were had some plans with this year eh? what was going to be part of the plan was expanding that family tell us a little bit about that um basically um last year they had the the junior team um which went you know very well coach reggie you know um a couple of plays short from you know advancing in their rounds of the playoffs so they had great success right at the beginning and then adding that varsity program it gives that opportunity for the kids, you know, to, to hone their skill set. And then basically at the men's level is here where um, they don't realize, especially the youth, because of, I don't know, lack of community knowledge and stuff. But when you play on the men's team, if you got aspirations of universities and all this kind of stuff and you haven't, you know, been recruited highly at the high school level, this is the place to play because you're not playing against guys that are your age, like 18 years old. When you go off to university training camp, that's not who you got to compete against. The coach really doesn't care about that 18-year-old. You're just fresh meat until they groom you for year three, year four. If you want to impress a coach, you've got to impress them against that 24-year-old, all Canadian, the third-year guy that all of a sudden he gets the starting spot. If you can make it closer, even beat those guys out, that's how you get the coaches and the rest of the team to look at you. As an 18-year-old, you're just fresh. Like, you're going to learn. You're going to do this. But when you play against men, and 
last year we had a great abundance of young players play. And a lot of them after the first game and stuff were like, wow, these guys hit like the speed is unreal. Well, that speed is what you're going to get at post-secondary. Like the running backs, the receivers are tall, they're faster, quick, their feet, like all this kind of stuff where at high school level, it's not quite there. At the 18, yeah, you're great. But now go play against somebody that's played at that high level. And if you can match up with them well, you're going to do great post-secondary. Yeah. And that's what my message is with that youth. Just don't think after you're 18, you're done. There's other ways to push because there's been great players that have played through the history of our organization that came in as 16-year-olds, you know, played a couple of years and went to university, not just to go to university, but started because they played against men. They went to training camp, game ready, and basically smacking those guys thinking, this is my spot, writing them out. Yeah. And the coaches noticed, and then all of a sudden, you got great Sudbury players that are playing at that second level. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, and like, and, and a lot of these players, like when I'm taking a look at your roster and I, I grew up with Farino and, uh, and Chris yep. kind of things. And I played football with those guys right from my high school days against them. And like, a, you know, early on in our uh, gladiator days as well. Like, yep. how, how do you bring these guys back to the fold? Like what, what is the passion for these guys? Like what, what brings them out year in and year out to still be there 10 plus years after? I would say, you know, a lot of it starts with something that Sid Forster, head coach of Sudbury Spartans, started. When Joe McDonald sadly got, you know, um, died in the line of duty, um, Sid, you know, started the Joe McDonald Youth Football League in honor of Joe because Joe was great in the community, played for the Spartans, you know, played at Carleton. And, you know, it's was a way to honor Joe, but at the same time for Joe's passion of coaching kids at the high school level and stuff was let's start younger and get them that, that, you know, the taste of the game. And a lot of those players that you mentioned all went through that, the grassroots Joe McDonald, where history wise, you're looking at a lot of Spartan players have coached in that. I've coached in that league. Um, Reg Bonney, who's coaching, you know, uh, the junior Spartans, coached Joe Mack also. So it's a great opportunity where, again, the Spartans started something where you can give back to the community. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of these guys – and the game of football, it's like a bug. Once you get stung, it's hard to get over it. You know, and, and a lot of guys, you know, you're old, you're, you're, you're keep going and stuff like this. and. A lot of guys, you know, have trouble retiring and stuff, or it, it's funny is like springtime. It's that smell. You knew like for 20 years was as soon as the snow melted, you, you got that smell of spring. It was like, okay, football's going to start. Yeah. And that thing that it's hard for guys to get rid of. <laughs> I took a look at your active roster there. Uh, and it could have been last year's roster, but is there like yeah. somebody that's over 50 years old on the team? Is that, did I yeah, uh, that would be our uh, nose tackle, D tackle, uh, Kevin White. Um, <clears throat> he is, I would say, a natural phenom. Um, his work ethic, and the funny thing is, like, you can't, like, that's the first thing when people, you know, my God, the guy's 50 years old or whatever. But if you were to come to a practice and watch his work ethic, a lot of young players cannot keep up with him. And like I said, and he's playing in the trenches where every play, 
you're hitting. And he is still a dominant player till this day. Young players that we go down south and play against will go up to him after a game, like shake his hand because they're like, wow. And he's earned the respect. He's demanded that respect over years where people did not mess with Kevin. Like he was something where coaches have the game plan. And it all comes down to that, you know, blue collared work ethic. He doesn't rest on his laurel going, you know, I'm a, you know, 16 time all-star, you know, I'm hall of famer, all this kind of stuff. I just have to sit back and practice and not do anything. He leads by example. And a lot of the young defensive linemen look up to him and stuff. And he brings them along. That's, that's amazing. And like the, having yeah. players like that can really help with the, the culture that you, you know, oh, that for you sure. Know. And with his, his knowledge and the tricks of the game that he's learned over years, like he, he talks to the young players where you, you often, you know, get that kind of thing going, well, I don't want to help out this guy too much because he's on my heels and he take my spot. So I don't want to give him every trick in my book, but Kevin's not like that. He will, okay, this is the move I make. Okay, read this position. That means he's going to be doing this. Like if he, if the linemen line up like this, he's like having, you know, a field general at the lineman position where he knows where everybody should be, DBs, linebackers or whatever. And he'll call you out in the huddle, you know, if you've messed up. Wow. No, that's fantastic. So around. Did I see, did I read it right that he made the, the Hall of Fame in 2010, the same year that you did and, and Patty Walsh, I think, as well? Because you got instilled to the Hall of Fame in 2010, is that correct? Did he as well in 2010? I, I yes. think that's his name. And then Patty Yeah, Walsh. there was uh, myself, uh, Kevin, um, Patty Walsh, um, Mark Nathan, um, all got inducted, you know, that same year. Wow, that's that's amazing to have like a bunch of Sudbury boys that all get make it in the same year. How was that to, to make it in with a bunch of your brethren? Um, you know, to go in with that class of guys um, was an honor. Um, basically, when I played football, you I never looked at you know could it be possible? Could it be this? Could it be that? I've never been a, a player, you know, looking at record books and all this kind of stuff. So to me it's a great honor to get into the hall because you're, you're voted upon by your peers. It's not just your team saying, you know, you deserve to be there. It's like, it's a league award where, you know, quarterbacks from the past that have played against receivers and stuff like that coaches that, you know, notice you play are the ones to say, yeah, he deserves to be in there. And to me, I've, I've, I've held that like as a highest honor and appreciation that my have said that I'm deserving to be there. Fantastic, yeah. And like you said, to, to hear it from other players in the league, that's the utmost respect you can get, right? Yeah, so That's right. No, fantastic, fantastic. Well, we've, we've got through a lot of the meat of the questions. I want to finish off with some rapid-fire questions, if you're okay with that. Yeah. A few of them here. So uh, you win the toss as the coach. Are you receiving or deferring? I always owe up to my captains, and it all depends. Uh, I've said where the offense goes, we want the ball right away. And sometimes it's like, you know what, let's smack him in the mouth with the defense. It all depends. It's one of those where I never know until I, you know, after the game, I bring the two guys. Okay, what do you guys want? You want the ball? Do you want to smack him in the mouth? <laughs> and you people differ. Yeah. Yeah. Sending the defense out first. Are you a, a CFL fan or an NFL fan? You mentioned a few NFL teams earlier on, but. CFL. I find the game more and more exciting. CFL? Um, a three down. The, the NFL. 
play with the CFL rules, a lot of people would go, wow, like guys like Tom Brady and all those, you know, if they could have receivers going down in motion and stuff, we'd actually see how good those linebackers are in coverage. Yeah. Do you have a, who's your favorite CFL team? Hamilton Tiger Cats. Hamilton? Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And do you have a favorite player, either current or past player? Um, I would say, you know what, the guy that inspired me the most was training camp 1987 linebacker for Hamilton Tiger Cat, Ben Zambiazzi. Um, guy had no neck, crew cut, that American kind of Southern accent and stuff. And the way he talked about football, you could see into him the passion that I said, you know what, I want to try to be like him. And I would say in the NFL, uh, Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum. Uh, yeah. what about, do you have a favorite city to play in other than Sudbury? I would say Oakville. Oakville? Yeah, is the rivalry there is, you know, you got your northern rivalries in the Sioux and stuff, but there's something about going to Oakville and playing the Longhorns. That's, that's something that, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those. It's like Montreal, Toronto. <laughs> uh, is it at an outdoor stadium or indoor? Uh, everything is uh, outdoors, yeah. Everything's outdoors? Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite pump-up song or anything that you listen to before the games? Um, I've never been one of those. My tradition was, you know, I, I taped my own wrists. I did all this kind of stuff, prepared my gear and all this kind of stuff, and then basically took mental reps until the game started of how I'm going to cover if he lines up this way, that way kind of thing. That was my thing. I was never one to put, you know, the Walkman or the CD player and listen to music. That was me. Do you have a favorite, you've got you've 30 plus years of football experience. Do you have a favorite game or a favorite play that stands out when you, you kind of reminisce? Um, there's a lot. I would say um, 1991 championship game, uh, playing with broken ribs and stuff. Just the fact uh, Cambrian College was packed full of people listening and stomping their feet like on the aluminum and stuff like that was just... It, it, it keeps coming back. I would say that championship game has got to be one of the best. Fantastic. Fantastic. And if you had Sedbury's attention for one minute, what would you say? There's football billiards out there. Um, come out and play. You're never too old to play. If you've not even, you know, played before and you're athletic and stuff like that, we got coaches we can make you into football players. You can't have a team without football. And if, you know, Instead of being an armchair quarterback, come out and do it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on Sudbury Stories today. And thank you for everything you're doing in the community and giving back. And hopefully you're staying safe during the COVID shutdown there. I am. Thank you very much for having me. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario?